the Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy Thursday, everybody. May 7th, 401, your start time here on the Full Court Press. Eric France and Aljay Salveson. 106 on FM, 1390 AM, and 106thefan.com. What happened? What's going on? What? No, just... What happened? Nothing happened. What's going on? Everything's good. If you heard that on the air, that might (laughs) have been my fault. Oh, that. Yes. (laughs) But thanks for playing it all for me, Eric. I appreciate it. That's really, really sweet of you to do. (laughs) (laughs) A lot to get through, actually. Kind of a busy COVID-19 sports day. Uh, Oregon State has made an announcement. California is in uh, in trailer mode of to make that same announcement as well. We'll get to what that announcement is. It's big time, and it could kind of trend in a way that would make things complicated, at least for college football. And does it complicate things at all for college basketball? That's another question we're going to have to be asking ourselves sooner or later. We'll get into that as why. Uh, NFL quarterback situation, starters versus backups. I know we've been teasing it for three and a half days. Uh, we're actually going to talk about it today. Why? Because the NFL schedule is released tonight. As you heard at the top of the hour, the opening night game, of course, belongs to Super Bowl champions, which is the Kansas City Chiefs. Their opponent, the team that they had to come back 24-0 down, they scored 28 points in the, in the second quarter and then ran away with it. The Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson versus Patrick Mahomes. And, of course, a Sunday afternoon season, the first Sunday afternoon of NFL football, you get Tom Brady versus Drew Brees in a uh, Sunday afternoon matchup in New Orleans. What a fun one that will be. I, I'm excited about that. Uh, and then, of course, we got some a little bit of baseball talk. Uh, NBA, is uh, they had their phone call with from, uh, I guess... It's what it's Adam Silver and then Michelle Roberts. Or is it tomorrow? I think it's Sorry. tomorrow. Dude, yeah. I keep getting my week mixed up. But it's, Michelle Roberts. It's, it's, it's fine. You know, it's Blur's Day. I like this. It's Blur's Day. It's Friday, Blunday, Blues Day, Blends Day. Blends Day. I like that. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, it's good. So their phone call is coming up. Adrian Wojnarowski, who is all ears in the tracks when it comes to the NBA basketball, is has a little... Uh, a little bit, a few comments on that, so we'll get to that in a little bit as well. Uh, and then South Carolina, Will's Muschamp, head coach of South Carolina Gamecocks, he came out and said, "Hey, look, you know, we need to get these kids playing." And he actually gives a time frame of how long they need to train. It's a little bit longer than what we've been thinking. Uh, and then Jeff Passan of uh, the MLB uh, actually has weighed in on some thoughts uh, of what that what the players want, what the owners want, and. Uh, and there's a little bit of anxious and uh, impatience starting to grow, Eric, from some athletes not getting onto the field or court as soon as they were hoping for. Boy, that that encapsulates a lot of people around the country. Yes, uh, there's a lot of anxiety, pent up stress, and fatigue surrounding this. As the weather's warming up, people. Uh, some people looking at the rates of infection thinking this really isn't that big of a deal in some areas. Uh, so why are we still all locked down? Well, the problem is with these leagues, with these sports, it's hard to say what's going to be fine for one area uh, and for the whole league is going to be the standard when in one area it's it's maybe okay, but in other areas it's really not. So it's hard. It's hard. And a lot of people are like, you know what? I'm 
I'm tired. I mean, there's a there's a mental health aspect of all this where it's fatiguing, and you just want to get out and you try to resume some kind of a life. Um, I get it. And yeah, no, it's it's a pretty good way to say it. By the way, and we want... had you know when we had Gary Anderson on. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, go ahead, please. But when we had Gary Anderson on, it's like, look, uh, this is so true. It's just successful people have a plan. They have something they're shooting for. They have something that they want to achieve. And when you're stuck in this limbo land where you don't know, it's really, really hard. Now, there's some people who are like, yeah, that's cool. Slow down. Watch some Netflix. <laughs> binge watch. I'm okay. I'm built for this. Uh, some people are, but there's others. This is really taxing. Yeah. Uh if, but if you want to participate in the show, you're more than welcome to. Always invited to do so. You can call in at 435-752-1069, or you can text in at 435-739-0321 if you want to text in, or 435-752-1069. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Always invited to be part of the show. I'm grateful to have you wherever and however you are joining us. Let's get into this. Uh, Oregon's governor, Kate Brown, made comments today. Um... And I'm going to read this, and then I want your thoughts immediately, Eric. Quote, There are some difficult news to share. Large gatherings, including live sporting events with audiences, concerts, festivals, and conventions will not be able to return until we have a reliable treatment or a prevention like a vaccine. The Oregon Health Authority is advising that any large gathering, at least through September, should be canceled or modified. This largely, uh, and by the way, according to Stuart Mandel, who brought out this report, says this is largely the same language California Governor Gavin Newsom used. Uh, such as live sporting events with fans uh, and uh, concerts and festivals and events. Uh, he said that there will be a stage, there'll be stages used for the reopening, but then there was no specific date. And that's when coaches and athletic directors got a little bit antsy of, okay, why are we not being given a date? And I think you brought this up about a week ago. This was a great point by you. The goal was May 1st. I think when we kind of got started this in like the second or third week of March, we said, okay, May 1st, we're going to get some information. We're going to have a clearer picture. We're at May 7th, and we're not really that much clearer than we were in the third week of March. Stuart Mandel really quickly then concludes, as Larry Scott said in our story earlier this week, uh, by the way, as part of The Athletic, resuming football and resuming football with fans are two different decisions and two totally different stories. One will be made by schools and conferences, the other by states and health, me, states and health authorities. So, are we too soon, or is this them getting ahead of the curve and just getting as much information out as possible, even though they don't have a date? Well, I've heard this phrase a lot lately. We need to be data driven, not date driven. Ooh, that's good. I, which is to say, May first. All right, May first, we're going to start opening things up. Well. If the data doesn't support that it's safe, then you know don't don't do that. Um, but I I understand that. And I think there's probably more wisdom in being data driven than date driven. I, I really do. But at the same time, I think here we are in mid March, and we're talking about what trying to project what's going to happen through late September. Huh. That still seems that still seems a little far out there. Uh, I just think, look, let's we're going to reevaluate in six weeks, or we're going to reevaluate in four weeks. We're going to look at the data. We're going to see how things are trending. We're going to see what's available. But to say 
we're canceling everything that involves a large gathering through the end of September in still what's considered early March. I don't know. I just seems hey, a bit much. Can I ask, and this is, I mean, I'm not trying to drive discussion here, but I'm really curious. What considers a large gathering for a college football game? Are they saying over 1,000? Are they saying over 5,000? Or are they saying under 100? Okay, so it's a fair question. I know I don't know how other states are classifying it, but in the state of Utah, in the the we were in the red stage. Utah has their fun color coding: red, orange, yellow, and green. In the red stage, uh, gatherings were limited to ten people or less. We're now in the orange phase, and that has been expanded from ten to twenty. Oh. In the yellow phase, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's 50. So we're still a little ways away. Now, Utah High School Activities Association said when every county in the state of Utah goes to a yellow stage, then we will consider sanctioning fall sports. But until you get into the green phase, that's when everything is, okay, let's open everything up. So wait, when they get to the yellow phase, they'll consider. Uh, I, right. Ooh. But I think I think it could be possible to do sporting events in the yellow phase, but without fans. Without fans. But so just just do a blanket statement. We're just not going to do anything till the end of September. I, I don't. That just seems a bit premature. Stay, sticking with the college football discussion, ESPN's Heather Dinich describes that the NCAA football being played is for financial benefit financially dire situation at all of these schools if there is no football. So those that can play will probably try to play, even if it's unfair and, and some can't. We're going to get to that comment just in a moment when, he, when she said, those who can play will play even though it's unfair to others. We're going to get to that in just a bit. Uh, here's a Heather Dinich uh, as well on Safety First. It's all about the kids. It's all about the athletes more than just the money. They're going to try to play however they can play, um, but I will tell you this. Let me tell you what Clay Helton at USC told me. He said, the Coliseum without fans would not feel right. When it's safe to come back, we should all be able to come back, not just some of us. So everyone recognizes the fans are a huge part of the game, but they know that they have to put safety first. Go ahead. (coughs) Uh, Excuse me. Uh, I I think that's right, and I think that's a prevailing thought that you shouldn't have sport if, if well let me put it this way if you can't have students on campus you shouldn't have sports on campus okay regardless so, of fans okay showing so that's up or what not. I wanted to ask you right there is it more about having students on campus or is it more about the fans because here's my thing if you can have students on campus you should have fans going to games there's no way that you can have how many thousands of kids go to a school and go to class and then say oh I'm sorry you can't gather and sit down and watch a football game with each other at a stadium. Yeah. Well, What's the uh, difference? Well, I think as you get into these different various stages, social distancing kind of narrows as well. Besides just the larger number of people in a, in a gathering, social distancing changes as a little bit as well. We're Even though we're in the orange, the six feet social distance thing is still a thing. But Associated Press story that was published on Cash Valley Daily today says uh, both air, looking at the Pac-12, both Arizona schools plan on opening this fall. Both Washington schools plan on opening this fall with in-person classes. Oregon anticipates, this is University of Oregon, anticipates having in-person classes 
this fall. Um, so, so if they're going to have students in class, why don't you have sports on campus? Well, time out. Didn't the governor just come out and I know, say, hey, we can't have large gatherings? And the Oregon's like, well, we're going to gather 7,000 anyways and, and go to school. A guy, a name we are very familiar with, Scott Barnes. He yes. is the athletic director for Oregon State. Apparently, he's going to be holding a, a, a press conference uh, later today, so this afternoon to address some of the things that uh, his governor, state governor, has talked about. So with this, Henry Dinich concludes that with this whole situation, there's two words that really stand out and theme this college college football versus COVID-19. It puts into public conversation a very uncomfortable and potentially unfair, but also very realistic possibility. I mean, if you look at the ACC, alone that conference spans 10 different states and there's no telling what each of those varying restrictions might look like when these schools can or can't open that's <laughs> that's a good point she brings up the acc alone covers 10 different schools or excuse me 10 different states and that's what drags into the situation of who can play and who can't. And that brings us back full circle, especially with James Franklin of Penn State saying, look, if another team in the conference can't play, they can't play. But let everybody else take a whack at it. Eric? Yeah, no, I agree. James Franklin, uh, Penn State, saying, look, he he doesn't see a way that it's going to be consistent across all conferences, at least across Power 5 conferences. So... um, yeah. He says, unless there's a, a level playing field and the NCAA comes out and has a strong stance, then conferences move forward. And maybe there's a school in your conference that's in an area that's still considered a hot spot, or maybe even not a hot spot, but they're still they're trending down, but they're not settled down enough. Uh, that you you still start the season, they just have to take a forfeit. That's hard. How do you say, okay, well, so-and-so is going to go play so-and-so, but you, since you're not allowed to play yet, are going to have to forfeit these games. Out of your control, purely out of your control, even though you have an incredibly talented roster, you cannot play, but these other small-time schools can go out there and, and, and be on the football field and play in these games. I don't. I can't see that. I, I, I can't see how anybody would agree with that. Especially in the Big Ten. Well, well, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren uh, made some comments to ESPN's Ivan Mizell. Um, said it's so early now; it's a fluid situation. So important, it wouldn't be prudent for me to speculate. But one thing I do know: I know more now today than I did when I canceled the men's basketball tournament. I think these next forty-five to sixty days, with the information we're getting regarding testing from the government in different areas, we're learning so much every day. I'm looking forward to gathering information and leaning on experts. I want to go back to that. I think these next 45 to 60 days, and we're getting information a lot uh, quicker now as more and more testing is happening. Look how much more we know today compared to 45, 60 days ago. And that's why I think it's odd for anyone to, to make a declaration about what might be happening in September. Hmm. Hmm. And just coming out and making a stance, we're we're, we're making a definitive agree, a decision now. I just, how do we know? 
9315 just texted in, says, so if not everybody in your conference can play football with you, do something like for one year, have the Pac-12 and the Mountain West combined so you can get enough games in. The problem with that is TV contracts. Like, who's fighting over what games? Does the Pac-12 network get this game, or does CBS Sports or Fox or FS1 get this game? And you got to balance that TV contract out. Someone's got to make revenue off in it. And then secondly, how would you, I mean, that, your schedule's already derailed by non-conference games, but then how do you compact that with the Pac-12 if you were to combine conferences? Uh, again, I just go back to what we said before, unique situations require unique protocols or u- unique ways of getting around it I will and, say and dealing this, with it. I'm not throwing anything out the window because anything's possible now at yeah. this point. Like, anything is possible. I, I don't know if you've got the bite, but there's an interesting quote from James Franklin okay. of regarding conferences and maybe even having some schools participate and some not. Okay, I think I have it here. Bear with me, everybody. I don't think you can penalize one conference, um, you know, from opening because another conference is is opening way ahead. I think there's got to be some type of guidelines nationally from the NCAA that making sure that conferences aren't pushing to open earlier than they should. Uh, Okay, there should be one more more, from him. I think it's the next one. I can't promise you this. For example, with the Big Ten, say we have two or three schools that at the end of the season are part of the playoff conversation. Well, the schools that we're competing against in other conferences, you know, they were able to open before we were, and the Big Ten held back certain schools for a school that maybe isn't a hot spot in our in our conference. So I just... It's, it's not ideal. Okay, so wait, is he saying that they should have their conference just open up and play in those schools that are not available, or is he saying otherwise? Here, here's one other thing that he said. Maybe this adds a little clarity. He says that could at least help with it. Uh, uh, talking about the NCAA needs to provide some national guidelines. He says you better be able to answer certain criteria. Maybe you'll document that you've met this threshold. And then he says that could at least help with it a little bit in a perfect world, everybody opens at the same time. I just don't see any way that will be possible. Are you going to not have college football this year or sports in general because two states in the country won't open? I don't see that happening. Huh. I think he's right. I mean, do you, do you penalize all of sports because there's a couple of counties in one state where one school resides or a couple schools reside, and you say, if they can't participate, nobody can participate. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, he's right. In a normal situation, you'd say everybody needs to start at the same time. Everybody needs to play under the same rules. That's why we have <laughs> that's why we have rules for these sports. Yeah. To keep at least uh, an even playing field. But at the same time, are you going to cancel everything because there might be a few hot spots here or there? And in wide swaths of the country, you could still gather, you could still practice, you could still perform a game without 
maybe it, fans are are probably out of the question through late fall. But to to cancel everything because just a few places, I don't know, AJ. Hey, here's another thing. I didn't think about this um, until Adam Rittenberg, who's been on our show a couple of times from ESPN, does a great job. He noted this, Eric. Not only would the or- the Oregon's governor mandate of no large gatherings, that wouldn't just affect Oregon and Oregon State. That would affect the Portland Trailblazers, too. Portland Trailblazers, their Major League Soccer Seattle, team. Seattle, Mar- wait, is... No. They, Seattle's they in Washington, right? Yep. Do I, I, I get those states always confused. <laughs> okay, so Portland, so by the Trailblazers. Portland Timbers, that's your Major League Soccer team. So, so, yeah, Portland Trailblazers, Portland Timbers, affect Oregon, so they, Oregon State. And if they're in a playoff push, and by the way, week two for Oregon, guess who they have on their schedule in Oregon? Ohio State. Playoff ramifications early from the get-go for those guys. And to say no to that non-conference game and then to maybe say no to their season, really, really tough to do. Because if you're asking for a vaccine, we're a ways away from that. As, as, as hard as scientists and people are trying – Let's be realistic, Eric. We are a ways away from that. Is that fair oh, to say? Yeah, we're a year. So when if they you're s- pushing testing and research and trying to get it mass produced, um, from what I was hearing three, four weeks ago, they said it usually it would take a, a year if everything's fast tracked. Hmm. And I mean. Ah. It's frustrating because on the one hand, there's this opportunity to do antibody testing. If they can show that more people have had it and fought it than they realize and illustrate how many people have recovered or how many people just haven't had it and the rates of infection are going down and are with better understanding of it and how to fight it. I don't know. I, I think they need to get to the point where they understand that if somebody on a team has a fever, they can quickly isolate that one person and still be able to um, test other people and still have these games happen. Yeah, but okay, Instead so of it, shutting down an entire league because one guy has a fever. Yeah, but okay, so here's the other problem to this. Like, do you have enough tests to do it? Can you get the results quickly enough to be able to find out? And if that person does have a fever or uh, symptoms of the corona, has he given it to anybody else throughout that week and are you using these tests on college athletes instead of using them on healthcare workers doctors and nurses who are working their tails off to protect the place well that's a fair criticism and i think if they are able to produce enough of those tests that can with certainty show you if you do have the antibody or um or if you do have the the, the virus uh, i think as they're continuing to amp up uh, pr- uh, mass production of tests and testing capabilities. Uh, I think we're, we're heading in that direction. I haven't heard of a, a, um, a shortage on tests around here, at least. Yeah, not here. If you need a test, you can get a test. People are getting tests that all the time that you do not have COVID-19. You have a flu. You have allergies. You are not sick with this disease, but we have the tests. So it's not like uh, we have a shortage of tests because you know the big millionaires in those uh, sports leagues they're they're using them for their purposes. 
That's not an issue here. It's not to say that couldn't be an issue in other places, though. Uh, Yeah, no, really well put. Really well put. Hey, by the way, we forgot to mention this yesterday. Actually, I think it kind of came out just a tad bit after our show. Uh, but we want to c- congratulate uh, Utah State assistant coaches Dave Ragland and Eric Peterson, uh, who have been named as one or excuse me, two of the 50 impactful mid-major assistant coaches in men's NCAA Division One basketball. Uh, I'm kind of surprised Austin Hansen isn't on that list because he's darn good as well. Uh, but to Eric Peterson and Dave Ragland, we congratulate them and uh, well-deserved. Well-deserved. Uh, Coach Smith has spoke highly of his assistant staff and how good they are. And um, as much as we give credit to, to Coach Smith, and rightfully so, I think these guys deserve just as much. So, again, congratulations to them. Uh, we're going to take a break. Coming back, we're going to talk to NFL. Don't forget the NFL schedule is released tonight. Uh, at 6 o'clock Mountain Time, so stay on 106 on the fan if you're in a car anywhere else, and you will get the updates by the uh, by the schedule. Now, it's a three-hour release, okay? Like, they are going to take their freaking sweet time. Because <laughs> they know there's nothing else because, to compete for their time. Hey, hey, by the way, do you feel like if anyone's done great at milking this out and just this COVID-19, the NFL is just up there. Like, NBA had the last dance, and it's great. But what the NFL is doing right now, I mean, it's like it could not be more perfectly timed. In unfortunate circumstances, absolutely. Right, they're but the still. only league really to provide some new content over these last couple of months, and they're just not to be cynical, but they're licking their chops. Like, hey, this has been great for us. Yeah, and that's when they can use three hours and release the schedule. And fans want to know who their team's playing. The fans, Buccaneer fans, want to know when, when you know who's Tom Brady going to be playing. Patriot fans want to know if they get to play the Bucs. Uh, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Um, by the way, the Patriots are not going to play in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In fact, there's been an announcement on the on the schedule that it's going to make it more unique than years before. We'll get to that here in just a few minutes. We're going to take a break. Eric France and Algie Salveson. It's the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, and 106.9thefan.com. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Sorry, Cranston, it's Andre Salveson, 4.30 your time on Thursday, May 7th. You're on the Full Court Press. Grateful to have you joining on however you are. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, and 106.9 Uh Eric, we, we, we pretty much hit hard on the uh, college uh, football situation. Let's turn our attention to uh, the upper echelon of the playing field, and that's the NFL. CFL? No, USFL. XFL was, by the way, I'm really ticked that the XFL went bankrupt. How do you declare bankruptcy after one year and you didn't even play? They played a, they played a number of games, not okay, a full a season. Not a full season, though. It's hard to start a new league. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Canadian Football League, there is some news about the Canadian Football League, oh, actually. This ought to be good. Uh, in a, The league commissioner testifying today... In front of a House of Commons Standing Committee on Finance. Sounds fancy. Uh, <laughs> not in person, it was on video. But anyway, he said that um, the CFL is requesting up to $150 million in assistance from their uh, from the Canadian government. And there's real jeopardy that uh, their season might not even happen. Uh, their season runs from June to November and during his testimony, Ambrosi, um, Randy Ambrosi is his name, 
says the league's future is very much in jeopardy. Oh, yikes. Uh, NFL's future, uh, their season being announced tonight. Yeah, 6 o'clock. It's going to be a three-hour display. Though some teams can kind of leak out their own schedules uh, a little bit in advance. Oh, and some have. Yeah. Like the Buccaneers play in the New Orleans Saints on and and which is smart wow. because you are going to sell tickets through what a the roof great start. in that game. Yeah, you are going to sell tickets. The Chiefs and Texans will be your season opener, of course. Uh they will uh headline and the Super Bowl champion always gets a season opener, which is what they're doing. Uh so that will be the uh that'll be the regard there. Um see New England will be playing Denver on a Thursday night. So they'll uh, in fact they'll be at Denver. Is uh, is what the rumor is saying. Um, so yeah, uh, that's just a few of the stink peaks uh, going on within the uh, NFL scheduling. By the way, uh, there has been rumor, but I don't know how true this is. True, this will actually be because they're saying that some teams it will be an AFC versus NFC for the first four weeks which is not possible if Houston and Texans are playing. And this was actually via a tweet that Adam Scheffler retweeted. So either he got hoaxed really badly or the report was just never true in the first place. Uh, but that was supposed to be like there's, like, there's a span where it's going to be AFC versus NFC for four straight weeks. I'm not sure when or how. That, I mean, someone had said it was supposed to open up the season, but that's not happening according to the rumors that we're getting. Right, according to some of the games that will happen to start things out. Uh, interesting that that could happen. Maybe not at the very beginning, but to have a stretch in the through. season. Because remember, they are not going to play any games outside of the country. In London, in Mexico, all those games will be canceled. So they're going to play Mullins uh, in the United States. So maybe that's part of the pro or part of the idea here with with that. So it's kind of like a what the interleague. So they call it in baseball interleague, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, where you just you know National League, American League, just kind of go at it for a, a couple weeks or so. I think that might be the case here. Uh, so yeah, again, 6 p.m. tonight. If you want to, you can just tune in 106 on the fan. They will have updates throughout the whole entire night of schedules that are being released. You don't have to sit and watch a breakdown of three hours of TV of breaking down every single NFL NFL schedule. I just doesn't even sound right. Doesn't even sound healthy to me. But looking at the NFL future, there are some things that are intriguing as the schedule does get released and looked at. Um, one of the things that is also interesting to look at for the NFL future is uh, quarterback situations uh, throughout the league. Who, just on the on the first glance, Ajay, who right now is a starter in the NFL, but when the season ends, won't be? Who is the most likely to fall into that category? <laughs> so I was I'm like, not trying to predict injuries no, 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 or anything no, no, no. like you're that, good, just good. because there's no, a backup no, no, no. that's going to... Prove to be, but better. you never know if an injury is going to happen, or if a guy no. just flat out sucks and he needs to be benched. Or maybe if there's a guy who's injury prone and it's just a matter of time. Uh, so okay, Andy Dalton will take over for Dak Prescott. Now let's do an over under. Okay, eleven. Oh, so week eleven and a half. Eleven and a half weeks in, Andy Dalton will take over for Dak Prescott. So if I take over, that means it'll Past be more week than eleven. It'd be more than eleven weeks. Yep, past week eleven. All right, then I'd say I take the over. I'll take the over too. I mean, I'm saying like, but by week thirteen, I think he might be the starting quarterback. Wow. 
Interesting. That, I think, could be really interesting to see how that meshes. Yeah. Okay, give me one. Um, Philip Rivers in Indianapolis. Who's their quarterback right now? Is it Jacoby Brissett? It was no, Jacoby, oh. and they went out and got Philip Rivers. Oh, yeah, Philip will start over Jacoby. No doubt. Good point. Will he finish the season? Will he be the starter at the end of the year, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Philip's a gamer. He's a winner. And look, Jacoby's, and I feel bad for Jacoby because he's a good quarterback. But you could tell unless he has talent I think around age him. Age is a concern for me, though, with Philip. Dude, he's battled. I mean, the guy played played an AFC Championship game on a torn and shredded ACL. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that guy will play. I mean, through a broken arm and whatever, even if it's a throwing arm. Uh, I'm gonna go another one here. Tua is gonna be the starter over Ryan Fitzpatrick by the end of the season for the Miami Dolphins. I think I would take that. Ryan Fitzpatrick is just not that great of a quarterback. He has his moments, he but they're his... very few and far between. Yes, he's bounced around. He's had some moments where he's had a game and they all, oh, the Fitz magic, but it doesn't last. Another one that might sound like a gimme. Chicago Bears have missed Trubisky as their quarterback, but they just declined his fifth-year option. And then, Eric, proceeded to go ahead and sign Nick Foles from the Jacksonville Jaguars in a trade. Does Nick Foles take Trubisky's spot? Uh, I think he might. He could. Pressure's on Trubisky, but Nick Foles, again, there's another guy. He had, he's had some moments, but he hasn't been able to hang on to a starter position. Give me your shocker. Give me a shocking one. Uh, I didn't see that coming. Um, I don't know if this is sh- a, a shocker, but another one I was going to look at was in uh, Las Vegas. Oh. Derek Carr. Right and now being backed up by Marcus Mariota. Mariota. And Carr's had his moments. Carr's been on a roller coaster. You see great flashes of him for two to three weeks, and then you see a three-week span of where he just doesn't know where he's throwing it. That's a good one. I like that. That's, yeah, okay. Um, how about this one? No, never mind. Yeah, never mind. I was about yeah. I'm not gonna go with that. I'm not gonna announce it because I'm gonna be way off. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> okay, Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham. This is an interesting situation in New England right, that we got right now. Mm. Uh, Jared Stidham's a young rookie, but he performed really well in preseason, Eric. And if it weren't for being his name being Tom Brady being in front of him, he probably would have played a lot more in the regular season. Uh, in fact, there were times where Tom Brady struggled and they called for it like fans wanted Jared and Stim to come out and be a quarterback. And of course, Bill Belichick stuck to his guns, stuck to his uh, veteran and went with Tom Brady. Brian Hoyer has been in this system for a long time. He, in and out of the system, but more so in. I spent a lot of time behind Tom Brady, spent a lot of time with Josh McDowell as the offense coordinator, knows the system very, very well. If Jared Stidham can't pick it up and do so quickly, I think they go to Brian. This is a situation where a team doesn't have a lot of weapons, with the exception of Julian Edelman. So if they can't find a quarterback who can lead an offense without a ton of talent, you're going to see it change quickly. And it's and it's probably going to more come so the demand of fans, not that Bill Belichick cares, <laughs> but also an owner who lost his favorite, his 
you know, favorite son that he never had. Yeah, uh, that will be definitely that an interesting, be interesting because it's all new and it's um, it's it's uncharted territory over the last twenty years for 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 uh, New England. Um, another one, Ajay here. I'll throw this one out here that I think could be a shocker. Ben Roethlisberger, no, does not complete the season. No way. Who's his backup, by the way? Mason Rudolph. Oh, Pittsburgh loves Mason too, man. Mason has he's got some guts. Got a little bit of fire. That fight he had against the Cleveland Browns kind of like told it's crazy. Like that guy was getting the crap kicked out of the two weeks before that. I mean, the living world beat out of him. And Eric, it took him taking off his helmet and or no, it it took him getting whacked by a defensive lineman with his helmet off in the head for Pittsburgh to be like, hey, that's our guy. We love him. <laughs> I, that's what it took. I mean, he created some a healthy amount of controversy with some words that he said. Yes. But um, but look at what he how he produced on the field. And Ben Roethlisberger has an injury history. That could be an interesting one to watch as the season unfolds. Not because I don't think Ben Roethlisberger is not a good quarterback and that he would lose it just because of performance, but I, I'm just, I don't know. I mean, I think there that's another quarterback situation that we should really keep a close eye on. Hey, uh, New Orleans Saints. Taysom Hill's backup right now? Didn't they just sign somebody? Or yeah, Jameis not? Winston. So Winston's quarterback number three on that depth chart? He is. At, well, as of now, that could be interesting to see how that changes. They could move Taysom Hill into other positions. They throw him all over the place. Because if they get a situation, not that Breeze is going to get hurt, but if they get a situation, maybe we're in a blowout, you know, or whatever the situation is, and it's either between Hill or Winston, who do you take? Well, I would take Hill just because he's been in the system and they know who he is and what he can do right now. Over time, if that does that change? Maybe. I don't know. But I would I would think that Taysom Hill has a pretty good leg up over Jameis Winston right now. Taysom Hill may have come out as one of the best all-around athletes to go to the NFL in the last 15 to 20 years in the state of Utah. What? Yep. What he has done... There's some, been some pretty serious dudes coming out of the University of Utah in and that none, span of time. And none better than Taysom Hill. Wow. Taysom Hill, what he has done... Really? Taysom Hill, what <laughs> wow. he has done... Wow. As an all-around football player for the New Orleans Saints is more valuable and has proved his worth more than any other player in state that has gone on to the NFL in the state of Utah. And frankly, I don't know if it's close right now. What? Oh, my word. I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, watching that guy, I thought it was all hype and all bluff and fluff and whatever. He is the real deal. He is the absolute real deal. As a backup. You had meanwhile you've got guys from Utah who have been starters and have won championships. Taysom Hill, this amazing freak of nature athlete, great quarterback, is a backup. 
Wait, 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 wait. Time out. Okay, I've gone on one of championships. Hold on. There's 58 players. And what, I mean, come on. Let's like... They weren't the prime reason they won the championship. If Taysom Hill takes the Saints to the Super Bowl, or if the Taysom Hill and the Saints go to the Super Bowl, Taysom Hill will be one of, if not the biggest reason why, because he can do it all. Block kicks, play special teams, play offense, play quarterback, play receiver. I don't disagree with you that he is a very unique player, and we don't see very many guys like him at all in the NFL. I do grant you that. But to say that he's the most athletic. Oh, yeah. Oh, heavens. To yeah. come out of the yes, state of Utah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, okay. In the last and, 15, 20 years. Yes, in the last 15, 20 years. Yes, absolutely. I'm sticking with That's, that. I am definitely sticking with that. Wow. Taysom Hill is that good. And I think so many of us, except for the more than people your, down more south. More than your guy, Kyle Van Noy. Yeah. Who's. Made amazing plays on the defense Dude, and has by won the way, championships. Has exceeded Bobby as a Wagner starter, as many, an all-around defensive player. Has exceeded Bobby Wagner as an all-around defensive player. Even though Bobby Wagner has the numbers and the money to back up. The money doesn't mean crap. Bill Belichick they doesn't pay nobodies. No, no, Bill Belichick doesn't pay players, period. Ask Tom Brady. Ask Julian Edelman. Ask Wes Welker. Ask... Deion Branch, who's a Super Bowl MVP, he doesn't pay players. So don't throw the money situation out because that isn't a fair conversation to have. Okay, should we look at Pro Bowl? Should we look at first team? What other metrics do you want to look at that prove that Bobby Wagner was the better and more impactful player? The fact that Bill Belichick <laughs> I mean, relies on Kyle Van because, because Bobby Wagner is surrounded by great defensive talent and Van Noy is and not. Van Noy is not? He's not. Oh, stop. No, he's not. A very shady and shaky and very, uh, I mean, just an unreliable and vulnerable defensive backfield. Like, I mean, look, Devin McCourty's got beat. Stephen Gilmore's had bad games. Uh, Dante Hightower wasn't always healthy. A lot of times it was Kyle Van Noy holding up the defensive fort. And in Seattle, they built around talent, like incredibly good talent, around Bobby Wagner that made Bobby Wagner look really good. You are wading deep. No, I'm serious. Into I'm serious. very murky but, waters. <laughs> but Salveson. With that. With that, Bobby Wagner's, Kyle Van Noy's, uh, Starlo Tulele, Whippity Daw, Taysom Hill exceeds all of them based on all around talent that he can do. And he will be a key figure as why their team went to a championship. Not what Lute Star really wasn't. I mean, he. He had his moments, but the primary focus of Taysom Hill being able to do what he can do, I think he will be able to build on that. And he'll be a key cog in the in the Saints getting to a championship when and if they do. I, I Like I said, I will grant you he is a unique player in the NFL and how the New Orleans Saints use him. You don't see other leagues, or excuse me, other teams in the league using players like that. And so his ability to play multiple positions and not just be out there just to fill a spot, but in, to be impactful in those positions is very unique. And he does deserve credit for that. So you agree with me then? Only on that point. Not that he's the most athletic to ever come out of the state of Utah. 
or the most impactful? Because he's a backup. He starts on special teams, and if it weren't for Breeze. Oh, wow. Oh, don't. Unless you're a kicker. I don't care who you are on special teams. What? How many block punts did he have? Did he lead the NFC in block punts? I have no idea. He probably should, because he did. He is as valuable as they can Bobby come has some blocked punts. Without Bobby Wagner has some blocked field goals. Right. But no, let's throw him to the way. <laughs> Again, Bobby Wagner has talent around him. Oh, so does Taysom Hill. No, he doesn't. He has talent around him. He has a couple of guys. Maybe one or two guys. One of them being from Utah, Marcus Williams. But again, I'll take Taysom Hill. Now, Jordan Love could exceed that. But as you said, he's a backup. Just saying. And and by the way, way, Piranhas agrees with me. Piranhas just said, Ajay, I've never agreed with you more than I do right now. E. Franson, I'm sorry, but Ajay is right. Sincerely, Piranhas. Thank you, Piranhas. Piranhas did not say that. Yeah. Why isn't it showing up on my feed here? I don't know. He 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 tagged you. <laughs> he tagged you. All right. Ajay Sally, thank you so much for always bringing out the truth. Hey, Piranhas, that's what I do. I bring out the <laughs> now truth. Now you're trolling, Piranhas. <laughs> we got to go to break. <laughs> The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Wrapping up another show here on Thursday, May 7th. Just three minutes left here in the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan, 106.9thefan.com. Hey, really quickly, Stuart Mandel, uh, I guess, excuse me, I, I put out a tweet, uh, Big 12 Commissioner, now, now on April 15th, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby said, quote, if we're not in college, we're not having contest, end quote. Just today, minutes ago, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby told uh, on a Sportsline radio show that college football could be played this fall even at universities that were operating classes 100% online. <laughs> so which is it there, Mr. Bowlesby? Uh, well, maybe he's found a loophole. We're, we're having classes, we're just not on campus. So maybe you can still say the same thing, it's just a wrinkle. But I, uh, if, if, you're in a, if, if your state or even your health district area is um, still having pretty high significant rates of infections, and they're saying no... We're not allowing you know, groups of 50 people or more. You can't have a football team gather together to do practices. Now, you may be able to do other things like soccer and volleyball, maybe a few other sports, but those are non-revenue sports. Uh, those cost you money to, to, to uh, put on. So it, it all hinges on football for these athletic departments. And there's a this big desire to try to make it happen, and I, and I get it, but um, I think they still have to look at the data. Uh, at the same time, I don't think that it's fair 
looking at the data we see today to project how things are going to be in September because so much has changed even just in the last six weeks when this was getting started. Good point. Hey, by the way, uh, 533 hate texted in. It's official. Audrey is the most close NFL analyst in the history of the full court press. That's actually pretty nice. I'll take it. Because <laughs> you've had some great NFL analysts on here. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. Uh, Pranus was thrilled. With <laughs> not, not really. Uh, hey, so the NBA. Yes. Uh, they're supposed to have this telephone call with players, with the Players Association, Adam Silver. They're supposed to be taking place tomorrow. Mm. But... Um, it, I think that's more about addressing players' uh, concerns less than about announcing any kind of a timeline. Yeah, which is, I think it's what, for, and we, we unfortunately don't have time to play Adrian Wojnarowski's uh, uh, comment, but I think that's where players are, you know, they're going to hear like, hey, you can start entering facilities, please follow these protocols, but the answer of, hey, when do you think we can at least get back what is your guess? What is your estimation? What is your timetable? They don't have an answer for that. And that's what players are so frustrated with. They want answers. And Adam Silver is being extremely careful with saying, hey, I'm going to put in this date because like you said at the very first of our show, people aren't going to just throw out dates anymore. We're past that. Now it's just day by day and we got to take it into a fluid situation. Yeah. We all hope it's uh, uh, you know, starting to trend down. But it's how quickly does it trend down? How quickly are there opportunities to test people to say, hey, maybe you had it. You didn't even realize you've had it. Yeah. So you're safe now. Um, so I think there's a lot of that that still needs to be put out there. And there's, they're making progress. Still have a ways to go, though. Hey, thanks for everybody joining the show. Greatly appreciate you. For Eric France and Amadre Salveson, you've been listening to another edition of the Full Court Press on 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. We're getting deeper into the planning phase for major North American sports leagues. A few NBA facilities will be opening on Friday and more next week. Major League Baseball will reportedly present a plan to its Players Association next week. The NHL is working with its union, and the NFL is going ahead with the schedule release and will reopen facilities soon. We're going to learn a lot about how these leagues operate in the coming weeks. They all have different circumstances. They play in different seasons. They have different team sizes, different contractual obligations. It would be no surprise if the NFL was aggressive, if baseball's union played a big role, if the NBA was influenced by the strong voices of its star players, and if the NHL is one of the biggest economic concerns. This is going to be tough. These leagues don't always make smart decisions. Hopefully they bring their A game as they try to get all the games going as soon as possible. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.